1: Welcome, everyone, to the Fantasy Football Report Live. We are here, Hassan and I, with Madison Parkhill. Madison is uh, one of the writers at RotoViz. You can find him on Twitter, at Madison Parkhill. Madison, how's it going? I'm
2: hey, doing well. Had a, a decent day in, in DFS and fantasy. I'm happy to join you guys.
1: Awesome. Congrats, yeah, Madison,
3: we, uh, can we you hear a little bit more about your DFS day? Yeah, I was, I was
2: telling. Telling Blair a little bit, um, pre-show, I, I was trying to find leverage early on. Um, I, I thought Gaskin and the Bills were, were nice, and I thought Daryl Henderson off of Cooper Cup chalk was pretty solid early on. Obviously, Cooper Cup went nuts early, um, so I was forced to kind of swap off the chalk Cowboys charter stuff, um, which was great. And I, luckily enough, I got on to Brady Evans Gronk and uh, some Derrick Henry at sub 5%. Um, so that was a nice saving, uh, saving grace. Wasn't a huge day by any means, but still, you know, always nice to, to have a little bit of a profit on DFS for sure.
3: Yeah. And actually, you want, let, let's actually just jump right into this. because I do want to talk about Derrick Henry. He kind of flipped the slate on its head. Uh, I mean, they were looking to establish him all game, right? He rushed 35 times for 182 yards and three touchdowns. I believe he also had six receptions, right? Correct me if I'm wrong there.
1: He did have six receptions for uh,
3: 55 yards and no touchdowns. So <laughs> talk us a little bit, Masson. like what was your late swap strategy there?
2: I felt that the field would mostly play Cowboys chargers. That's what um, it seemed like the whole week. Most of this team was going, you had the highest total 2 fast paced offenses. Um, so that's where I thought the ownership would be concentrated, especially with Gallup out where you saw Amari and Cooper potentially get more of a target share there. So, was really just trying to get off that game. There was a couple that I liked. Um the Seahawks stuff with with Lockett or Metcalf obviously with AJ Brown or Julio coming back, maybe Derrick Henry coming back. Um and then also the the Vikings Cardinals. Um I was a little worried about the Vikings uh, with some of their offensive line issues and injuries and the defense being a little banged up, so I thought they had a chance getting steamrolled that was wrong clearly. Um but I felt that the Brady doubles with the high, you know, Buccaneers' highest implied total on the slate, uh, that those guys would have some a high ceiling with potential pass catcher bringbacks from Atlanta that would be okay. So I thought get, getting to those guys would
3: provide leverage um, off the chalky the Dallas game for sure. And there you have it, folks. That's how you win at DFS and utilize the ASL properly. Uh, I, I do want to get your thoughts a little bit more on the six receptions. What on earth? Like uh, you know, like that's a little bit surprising. Like um, for me, because you know, you, you think of Derrick Henry more so as a power back. Um, I'll be honest; I'm actually pretty impressed with how bad this Titans offense is. Um, I guess this is what happens when you when you promote your tight ends coach uh, to your OC right after your previous OC leaves. Um, like it, this this offense stinks, guys. Like it's it's really really bad. Um, but. I am genuinely impressed because I think for years, we've heard a little bit about how Derrick Henry is going to be used more in the receiving game. Uh, I wanted to get your your thoughts because he was, you know, the, the third most targeted player on this team. Like, do you think that this is a new, we're entering a new era of like the Derrick Henry uh, saga and he's actually going to see more usage in the passing game going forward?
2: I, I don't expect that to continue. Um, personally, um, I, I think it was more of an aberration. They were down trailing most of the game. Um, usually he comes off the field, but it looked like there was a couple of screens to him, play action, or he's he's running like a stretch, faking like a play action stretch, and then they're targeting him on the check down. So I don't know. Um, it was it was productive. But he's, he's been fairly productive um, whenever he's, he's had those opportunities. They've just been very limited. I don't think it will continue, but Blair, you I saw you shaking your head a little bit. You might have a different opinion, or maybe the same opinion.
1: <laughs> no, I have the exact same opinion. I was just looking up uh, some game logs in the NFL Stat Explorer, and it looks like the most receptions he's ever had before this in a game is four. I don't know yeah. if that's if I'm missing some games here, but I mean, so you know, like fifty percent mm-hmm. more than his uh, than his career high so far. I think you're definitely right. this is not something we should expect going forward. I mean the other thing is that this team doesn't really have a a backup running back or a pass catching running back who's healthy yep. that they that they trust really right until yep. I mean if Darren Evans can ever get healthy then we'll then we'll have a different story. but it seems like any time he steps on the field he's he's uh gonna get injured on the next play so uh. Uh yeah, I mean like this game, like, I don't know if
3: you guys watched it, but this game really had like uh the best and the worst of both teams, right? And and by that I mean like this, like 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 Derrick Henry by the half looked genuinely dusty. Like he just getting nothing going. Like they looked to establish the run with him, and they just kept bounding him up the line until eventually he was able to get there. I mean, 35 carries in a game is just ridiculous. Right. Like, like that's not what you really want out of running back. The offense genuinely looks God awful. They're giving Dan like, t- Tommy Hudson high leverage fourth down targets. They're giving Chester Rogers targets. They're giving, um, you know, just guys I've never even heard of like, like Michael Pruitt had three targets and he turned those into 43 yards. Right. Um, it is, it is genuinely ludicrous and it's it's actually kind of bad how, um, or I guess it's not necessarily bad. Uh, Let me, let let me rephrase that. It's genuinely interesting to see um, just what Todd Downing is doing, right? Like he hasn't been an OC since 2017 with the Raiders. And I'm going to quickly just check on like, and and I don't recall that team being particularly good. Right. Um, I don't know about either of you guys, but he was a tight ends coach for quite some time. So to be put back into the OC role when you're looking at when you're watching this offense it was oh god it was it's god awful like it really really um wasn't interesting until like they actually decided to start throwing a little bit uh on the other side of the ball i wanted to get your guys thoughts on um was with chris carson like like chris carson was kind of you know very heavy drafted like early on um uh, like i think he was like can you can either of you guys like correct me if i think he was going at like the three four turn or was it like mid-fourth by the end of it. But, like, he had 13 carries for 31 yards. He had two punch-in TDs that, he, honestly, he really shouldn't have. Um, this is a very thin passing tree with Lockett and Metcalf getting all the usage. Like they, 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 they The only back they targeted today was um, Travis Homer. Um, uh, so, a couple of things is, is I wanted to actually point out. One, Chris Carson genuinely looks far more dusty than what you thought his ADP would have been, right? Like, like this has been, like, a pretty genuinely bad. Um, I mean, not necessarily bad, but like, you're expecting a little bit better than, than what you got from him. And on the flip side, this is also like the worst of the Seahawks, right? Like, this is a team that cannot get out of its own way to win these close games to save their lives, right? Like, they slow the base down. They absolutely take these stupid L's that they shouldn't be taking. Um, and, they, and they took this L at home. Like, like, you know, so I wanted to get your guys' thoughts, right? Like, this is clearly not, like, be, like this is beyond a Doug Schottenheimer issue. This is a Pete Carroll issue, right?
1: Yeah, I mean, it seems like the same issues we've seen in Seattle for for years, right? So, um, I mean, yeah, I don't know. I, I pretty much agree with you on Carson. I think he was he's like the definition of a running back dead zone back for me. I mean, in a game where he scores two touchdowns and still only has... 15 fantasy points or whatever that's uh that's definitely problematic um yeah i mean they were winning most of the game so you can understand why they kind of maybe didn't didn't uh, really push the pace and why wilson only ended up with like 31 pass attempts but um i mean this have is not many
3: running plays either though right that 18 yeah. of those they just bled clock i don't know what they were doing madison any thoughts
2: yeah. I mean, I think it's similar to what you guys said. It's, it's more of a Pete Carroll philosophy thing. We've seen this from them before where they get up. Russ is hyper-efficient. Um, they hit a bomb to lock it. They go up two touchdowns. And then after that, it, they seem to to lose their ability to generate first downs. They lose the big plays. Um, and then it's kind of just slamming Chris Carson in the line for three, three and a half yards per carry. Um, let's the other team get back in the game. Now, Usually Russ can escape with, you know, some late minute, late last minute heroics. Um, he finds Locker and Metcalf again. They drive down, they kick a field goal, but the act of allowing your opponent back into the game was an issue. Um, I, I, I'm not quite as low as you guys on Carson. Um, he was interesting to me. Once he started falling uh, in the summer, to the, the lower fourth, you look from the last couple of years, it's like, well, he's not getting no targets. He's not Nick Chubb. He's not Derek Henry. He's getting some targets and you know, the offense will be good. So, Games like this, I, I you know, you don't get this. You don't get this with some of the other dead zone running backs, where it's oh uh, you know he salvaged day his day with two touchdowns. So I think the offense in general, I, I like Russ, I like Lockett, I like Metcalf. I'm okay starting Carson. Um, I don't have him on any of my season long teams. I usually went receiver there, but in the rare instance that you do have him on your team, it's okay to start him, slot him in every week. Um, and this is what you're going to get. You're hoping for, you know, 15 for 60 and a touchdown with a couple of targets. So it was disappointing today to see that you know, no targets to him or at least no catches. I'm not sure about the targets. And it was disappointing to see the Seahawks let the Titans back in it. But from a, you know, a, going going forward, I think they'll be mostly fine. Um, you're still starting those those four main guys at week in, week out for the Seahawks.
3: Yeah, it's just such a thin, thin usage, right? But it's just I don't know, man. Like it's just tilting is all hell because like yeah, you you see the Seahawks. This this is on paper a very good team. They just always just seem to choke in these high leverage situations, and it's really really funny to like it's not necessarily funny i guess if you're a seahawks fan but like from the from an outside observer right like i've been saying for a while that Pete carroll has run his course with the seahawks in my opinion i think it's i think he's really this is almost like watching um you know just it it really is like there needs to be a clean break with the org in my in my personal opinion because i think he's um this is as bad of a job in terms of management and coaching as what green bay has done with aaron Rodgers. you know
1: Yeah, I mean, part of that, you know, part of the disappointment that they couldn't like put the team away, I think is the philosophy that we're kind of alluding to, like they get up in these games and they slow down. So it's impossible for them to ever put teams away. I mean, you saw that in like the playoffs a couple years ago against Houston, I want to say where they were winning and ended up losing a playoff game. I can't even remember what year that was. Maybe I have it backwards. But in any case, it's a it's a consistent problem with with the Seahawks and their offense. Um I mean obviously if you played Tyler Lockett today, you were happy. Uh Madison, what's your take on how we should be kind of valuing these two wide receivers, you know, relative to one another, Lockett and Metcalf?
2: I was I was surprised this week that Lockett again had the the bigger day. Um it seemed like Metcalf was was more the he was the play I, I more gravitated to in, in DFS. Um Fortunately, the the slight salary difference got me on the Lockett on some teams, Um, but generally speaking, I do expect Metcalf to be the more consistent, higher target share player, um, with Lockett being the more volatile player, like he is before. Just just based on the nature of the routes he runs, those deep shots, the the higher uh, average depth of target. But we did we saw today where they did get Lockett some layups, um, which was. Different than some of what we saw last year, and, and that's that's promising for his consistency, given how much the, the fantasy community knocked him for his his volatility uh, this off season. So I largely expect Metcalf to still be the 1A, Lockett to be the 1B, but it's it seems a little bit closer this year than last year if they're going to give Lockett the layups. Um, and overall, you know, i I'm, if you have either one, you're starting them every week um, in DFS. Each of them has you know ceiling to to win you a GPP any week um, you just have to pick the right one
4: unfortunately
3: (laughs) yeah uh, that's a really good point because I think I I genuinely kind of had I had a terrible terrible DFS day I think uh, the exact opposite of you I bricked the slate pretty hard Um, I think I think negative 100% ROI and my DK rep uh, emailed me saying that I actually owe them more money for putting in lineups that were (laughs) so bad they were like you you got to pay double next time like doesn't matter about the entry fees mm-hmm. so but um i couldn't find like any viable bring back so i was kind of worried about the titans looking terrible right um derrick henry was probably the play uh you know i mean the hindsight's twenty twenty. 20 i am uh, you know i i do want to talk a little bit about um gerald everett here because um uncommon opponent does actually make a really good point in the chat saying he was stoked for them. You know, the Seahawks to unlock Everett, but really has been the same, same old, same old, like Pete's been killing this team for, for, for years. Like, like I said, a like common opponent says it's just, I don't know. Like, uh, like it, for like as exciting of, uh, you know, like the, the, the afternoon slate was full of very exciting games outside of the, outside of the, the Cowboy Chargers game, which you dudded, um, so I, I did want to shift gears just a little bit to, to another shootout that we were treated to in the desert, with the Vikings and the Cardinals. So the Vikings lost this on that last second, like field goal. Um, but you know, another, another running back who, um, is kind of, I mean, one of the, he was a one or two all off season or one or two, one or three, you call off season. He sort of showed by was Dalvin cook who had about 22 carries for 131 yards and he had two catches for 17 were you, were you eyeing this game at all for DFS or were you just really looking for true, true leverage?
2: Yeah, I, I was. Um, I liked Chargers-Dallas more and I liked the potential for the Brady, uh, Brady double with Atlanta uh, more. And then this game and the Seattle-Tennessee game were kind of similar to me where I wasn't sure if the Vikings, like the Titans, were actually worse than we expected coming into the season, especially given their offensive line injuries. And I probably let that cloud my thinking a little bit too much. Um, We've seen the Vikings get sped up and go more pass heavy and have shootout type games versus fast-paced explosive opponents. So I probably should have been on it more. Um, I was also a little bit concerned about the, the three receiver sets now for Minnesota. You know, historically, very concentrated offense. Their top two receivers in Dalvin. Um, and then they don't have a third receiver. But with KJ Osborne last week and the shift of three receiver sets, I worried about the ceiling for a cur- cousin stack um, that, you know, if, you can't just play cousin and Jefferson at those prices and then still get paid off. Um, yep. If Osborne goes, you know, five for 50 and a touchdown, which, again, he he had a good game today. So. That that put me off them a little bit. Um, in retrospect, um, paying up for Kyler and then going cheap with Rondell and uh, even playing Hopkins with a, a Vikings bring back would, would have been great. Uh, but like you said, hindsight's twenty twenty. Obviously, the total was high. The pace was was pretty solid, so probably should have been on it some more. I, I'm interested in you guys' thoughts. We've seen, you know, one of Adam Thielen was uh, for Rodevez was often, uh, you know, regression candidate. He's getting older. Blair's done some great work that they lose target share the older they get, and he's up there now. You have the rising superstar in Jefferson. But it really seems like when the Vikings get in the red zone, Cousins is just first read is is Adam Thielen. Um, So I'm wondering if you guys think that that can continue or if eventually we'll see a progression where instead of the the 6 for 50 in a touchdown game, we're just getting 5 for 45, and you're you're not nearly as happy if you have Adam Thielen.
1: Yeah, I mean, as someone who wasn't drafting Thielen pretty much this whole offseason or even really that much last last off season, um, I've been I guess pleasantly surprised with what he's been able to do. Although I always thought that he was probably gonna be okay, like in reality. Like he'd still have that red zone role. He was uh, probably a little too expensive with where you had to get him. I think um you would be concerned if, uh, well, yeah. I mean, his yardage was down last year, and if he's if he's not getting that yardage, then I think his production is probably a little more fragile than you would than you would like. Um, but I mean, that said, if he's going to get double digit touchdowns again, he's probably going to be fine. So, um, yeah, it's it's a definitely a tough situation to figure out with Osborne coming on as well. I mean, if you're If you're in a league where everyone thought that was a fluke and he's still on waivers, then how much are you bidding this week to get him? Um, Quite a bit, I think. I mean, um, it's it's always it's 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 hard
3: for me to really value wide receivers. I think just from from a fob perspective, I'm almost never getting wide receivers because they're not 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 going to start right. For at least the way I built my teams, unfortunately. But I, I do think that for Dynasty, you got to probably empty, like, empty the clip. I was pretty aggressive last week in Dynasty um, just because I had to be. Uh, so I, I do have him. I didn't start him this week, obviously, because that's just how it goes. Um, what I find interesting, Madison, is something that you brought up about, like, you know, Thielen being the first read. It's just the way they use him in the red zone, man. Like, they have him matching up against, like, the slower linebackers, and that's where he just makes hate. That's just where he, you know, he, that's where he makes hay. And, and that's where what I find really interesting is like like he genuinely sucks to say this but like he really does like come off as like just a big like he is like their big slot but like a very immobile like athletically challenged big slot guy <laughs> who they who they use like he's like almost like at this point um uh, I guess kind of like a kind of like a tight end issue right like i mean you'd be, you'd be more interested in him if he was this as a TE because they don't use him to get like the major chunk yardage right like um so i was curious about your thoughts over there
2: yeah i think i mean being a vikings fan i've watched almost every one of their games the last few years um which comes with all the kicker was you mentioned earlier um <laughs> but also comes with the joy of watching some really elite receivers the last few years what i've at least from my my film watching stance, there is that it, they've really changed his role. Um, he started off kind of as a more of a deep threat, where he's running posts and, and corners and go routes. And then you saw him kind of shift with digs to where he's moving inside, but he's still running you know deep crossers and those type of things. But it seems like now it's it's much more of the the two way option routes on a safety, or they they motion him over and the linebacker kicks out and then he runs a, you know, a zig route or he has a drag or something like that. And in the red zone, especially, it seems like that whenever they motion him, they're really trying to identify who goes with him and then take advantage of that if they can. And unfortunately, I think Jefferson right now is occupying that digs role down there where he gets the number one corner with the safety shaded over. Um, So I personally think that the touchdowns will continue for Thiel, at least the, the red zone targets. I don't know if he can be as efficient as he has been thus far. Um, I think he's three for three or three for four um, already. So at least the targets I think will stay. Um, I'm not sure in terms of the, the actual production uh, for the touchdowns at least. Um, yeah. And then, I, you know, another, another player on the Vikings that I think would be interesting is, you know, you mentioned Dalvin Cook and Sean had a great piece early on saying that, Cook would have to do something that he was only one he was only one to do in the last ten or fifteen years, um, where he's so far ahead of the the receiving efficiency, his receiving expected points. Um, do you guys think that with Dalvin's role right now, where he's still, you know, he's twenty touches, a few targets every game, is that enough um, for him to pay off the ADP? Obviously, you're still starting if you have him, but for for DFS and things like that, is he worth the high price he's going to command?
3: on draft teams, you know, around 9,000, uh, each week. Um, yeah, so you want
1: to take that? Well, I just, I don't have the, uh, expected points numbers yet for, uh, today, obviously, but last week he was actually, um, pretty close to getting 10 receiving expected points. I don't remember the exact number, but it was like really hopeful that his role had kind of expanded last week. This sure. week he had only the three targets, so I don't know. Um, that it's going to be that high, but, uh, yeah, obviously if he's not going to get those targets, it's going to be tough for him to pay off. I think that's really the, really the key. If he can maintain kind of a high target role, that's going to be the difference maker
3: yeah and, and 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 common component makes a good point saying that he did take a beating today i mean Dalvin is a really tough player right like a like the the one thing that i think people have a misconception about him is like he's an injury prone and that's because like i think it goes back to his rookie year where he was looking like he was going to be smashing into his acl right but he the, the guy is tough he plays through injuries um the other thing about him that I find interesting is he's one of the handful of, like, running backs who is a true explosive talent, right? Like, like this is a guy who runs to daylight. Like, he makes something out of nothing, and he's one of the few running backs in the league who can do that, right? Like, on, on a handful of touches. So, I think that he's almost, a, like, what people, like, if you got more of a target share, right, like, he'd... His his arbitrage really is DeAndre Swift, like his arbitrage comp. I think he's more explosive than Swift, despite the ACL tear. Um, so it is going to be. I think it's going to be interesting to see how he goes down like down the line because he's going to need, unfortunately, high touchdown production. It's not like CMC, who's a true unicorn, and how they use him, and how the and how the Panthers use him. Uh, you know, and, and over here it was actually interesting watching the Vikings be forced into throwing. Um, and I think one of the reasons they were kind of fortunate to throwing a little bit was, um, uh, R- boy, Rondell Moore, man, like he's a guy who turned eight targets into seven catches and 114 yards and a score, um, you know, real, real pants off moment for me from like all my like, uh, <laughs> dynasty and all my best ball squads, like, like legitimately, um, watching this was, was ludicrous. Uh, you know watching his target count double that of DeAndre Hopkins Max Williams also somehow caught seven targets for 94 yards um w- one of the things I think this and I am sorry to bring this up because you're because you're a Vikings fan uh the Vikings really lost this game uh, the Cardinals had no business winning this thing Cliff Kingsbury is a fraud like we've known this for a <laughs> while we've called him <laughs> a fraud on this show for like for quite some time right um but like, like today legitimately had the had the Cardinals lost, it should have been it sh- that that should have been it for for Cliff. like they should have shown him the, the, the door tomorrow. but I do, I do want to get your like you know just to get back on tr- on track. I want to talk about Ronda Moore and his future. like when are we gonna actually start seeing him get carries.
2: I think it's soon. Um, yeah, and I, I think it was it was somebody on Twitter I was reading shortly before I jumped on the pod that said he only played like 45, 50 percent of the snaps still today and did this. Um, So he's not even in a full-time role yet. He's already, he's already popping. So the bubble screens, the carries that fits so perfectly. And then he's showing a little bit with the more of the deeper ADOT type routes too, that the ceiling is really, really high. Um, Especially from a dynasty standpoint where, you know, Hopkins is starting to get up there in age, obviously he's still very, very good. Um, But in the next year or two, we probably see some type of physical decline from Hopkins um, where you have You know, it's Rondell and Christian Kirk is all they really have there. Obviously, Christian Kirk was a great prospect um, coming out, but his production since he came in has not matched what Rondell's done right off, you know, right from the start. So I expect his role to grow. I think he's one of those uh, receivers where rookie receivers where you're looking back and, you know, it's week 13, it's week 14, um, or even if this year when they play the, the Cowboys in the fantasy championship week, where it's you know you have Kyler Rondell Moore, cowboy receiver, you're feeling very good about your chances in that game environment. So, I'm very excited. Um, I was not really on him early on, despite the the production. I listened more and and, and read some of the road of his work, and I was like, okay, yeah, I'm, <laughs> I need to I need to get on this, um, for his ADP jumps too much. So very excited. Um, he's going to be great by, by the end of this year. The, the ceiling is truly is the limit for him.
1: Yeah, I'm just thinking, you know, we've only had two games, but if you were to, like, redo rookie drafts now, would would Rondale's production be enough to move him up to, like, number two wide receiver behind Jamar Chase, you think?
2: I, I think that, um, and especially because he's tied to Kyler in, in Dynasty, mm-hmm. whereas, you know, I, I liked Bateman coming out, but and I like Lamar, but it's not necessarily the same situation, and Bateman hasn't proven anything yet. I think Zach Wilson is an interesting quarterback prospect um, and he's shown some flashes with his aggressiveness, but Elijah Moore being tied to him is not the same as Rondell being tied to Kyler. And the thing I really, I think like most about Rondell is that for PPR, especially is that you get the layups, you get the carries like his, his floor kind of seems like now over the next few years is the Curtis Samuel type role, which is very useful as your flex. Um, so I think, yeah, he he would bump up at least to the that discussion of wide receiver two for me, and I I think I would be inclined to to go there um, specifically because of the Tyler the, the the tie with uh, Kyler Murray.
3: Yeah. Yeah, just just want to point out common opponent makes a good comment here about the age overlap with Nuke. It looks like it might be actual optimal for for Rondale. Good, he's still good enough to draw the coverage, not enough to hold him back, kind of like that you're Roddy White connection. Really good comment. Um, Rake Room has a really good question about Kyler, actually, which is, uh, you know, is Kyler about to break the QB position this year?
1: It's a damn good question good question if if cliff doesn't hold him back too much right i mean you know we talk about you would say cliff is a fraud but even he can't can't make kyler look bad so uh there's uh yeah i mean it's either gonna you know is brady gonna break the qb position because i mean really <laughs> he's the other guy <laughs> yeah well, it Madison?
2: Does, I, you have you have the comment in the in there with lamar 2019 i, I think that's that's pretty similar um I think that Kyler's red zone rushing role and how they use him there, the QB draw and last week with the bootleg out, um, that type of stuff is just they're making a conscious, f- conscious effort to get him red zone goal line carries. Whereas even with Lamar, you know, you had that, but it was more of the, the quarterback power up the middle. Whereas this is Kyler's in space. He just has to win versus safety or versus corner to get in the end zone. So, I, I mean, yeah, I, I think his ceiling is maybe even higher than 2019 Lamar. Obviously Lamar had some pretty favorable um, passing uh, efficiency there, but Kyler's kind of off to that start already. And I think his weapons are better. So I think, you know, like you guys said, the only thing he doesn't have is the the coach who's willing to go for it on fourth down and perhaps dial up some, you know, put more faith in him on third five. It drove me nuts today. Actually, I think it was the first third and five of the game and after what Kyler Murray did last week, and then he came out here and ran some type of a screen. It's like, why are you taking the you know the ball out of the hands of your best player after he's just been lighting the world on fire um, versus a banged up Vikings defense? Um, that's a play call you do with Jimmy Garoppolo or Jared Goff and the guys, not not Kyler Murray. So, yeah, like you guys said, as long as as long as um, Kingsbury embraces it, um, sky's the limit for
3: Kyler. Yeah, I think he's he's kind of gone a little bit away from these his kicking in the red zone ways, which is nice to see. Um, uh, it's it's good to see them to see them go. And and, and Resif has a really good comment about why Brady couldn't be the QB one uh, by like, which is just sort of like, yeah, he's going to need to maintain this like high touchdown rate, right? Uh, I think I think what's actually fascinating or at least frightening about Brady for me is. He's doing. Like, he's setting a new career bests at the age of 42. Um, like that. Like that. To me, is very, very impressive. As well as Gronk, who somehow looks like a hundred years younger. I, I don't. I don't get it, guys. Like, like, Gronk looks like vintage young Gronk, right? Like that. Like it's ridiculous. Shocked, it
2: shocked me that they're rolling him out here with that that usage. Uh, you know, OJ <laughs> Howard coming back. I. That's mostly why I was I was fading him in best ball. I was like, well, you know, they're not gonna they're not gonna give him the the targets over the course of the year, they want to save him for the postseason, and that's just you know immediately take the L on that because they're rolling him out um, a lot of targets, running him up the seam like old Gronk, looking for him on in the red zone. So yeah, I think we're we're going to be in the discussion soon just based on the red zone role and the targets he's getting in that offense, where he's a you know he's a mid to top six ish tight end. Um, I think he's probably in that discussion on, you know, it surprised me, but I, I think we're there.
1: Yeah. Yeah. It's interesting. We've seen, uh, a lot of tight ends like play really well into their, well into their thirties. Uh, the age cliff doesn't seem to happen as abruptly at the position, but, um, you know, Gronk was so often injured early in his career. He retires. It's, it's definitely weird to see him come out like this. Do you think that he can keep it up?
2: I mean, injury is really my only concern, and obviously, you're more yes. concerned about Gronk with injuries than maybe any other any other tight end in the league. But if he's healthy and Tampa Bay, I mean, they're going to continue throwing like that, and he has that red zone role. I like him over the you know the Noah Fants and and those type of guys just because of the touchdown upside he has every week. Um, so yeah, I you know I'd, I'd be happy to slot him in at, at, a, at a, my starting tight end position every week.
1: yeah
3: I I actually want to talk about another tight end from that game and it's another rookie in in Kyle Pitts he had like six targets he caught five of them for 73 yards right um look we have fun uh I've been joking around calling him Kyle Schitts but it is it it is interesting seeing him or at least exciting seeing him really like they're usually they're targeting him a little bit more right um and it's good to see him do that like so what are your expectations here for Kyle Pitts like rest of the season right because he was being drafted as like the t3 t4 like do you think he returns at adp that's
2: probably the question i struggled the most with personally um entering this season it felt like it was too rich um he had to be a unicorn essentially is what the market's saying he had to be the the best rookie tight end since Ditka. but the usage so far has been very promising um i think they'll they'll get him some easy layups some red zone looks so I think it'll be, you know, I think if you asked me right now, it'd be very close to paying off. I'm not sure it was ever worth taking him over Hawkinson just because of the pure target volume that Hawkinson is going to get, and then between him and Andrews, it was also a little tough for me just because that we've seen Andrews have the elite efficiency, we've seen him have the the huge um, end zone type shares from Lamar. Um, but Pitts is right in that tier at this point. You know, I, you know, same like those guys, I'm happy to start him every week at tight end more of the question I think is in DFS, where does he fall in? So, and that's, you know, I see common you know, comments coming through. That's the lane offense so far has been the one that's been the most disappointing to me. I really expected Arthur Smith to play more to his personnel. And they came out more with the feature Mike Davis, feature converted receiver Cordero Patterson, which, you know, Correll Cordero, he's been pretty good so far. Um, But you have Ridley and Pitts emphasize that spread people out get the mismatches so i don't know do you what do you guys think is that is the land offense potentially gonna the down pits and ridley are we worried about those two guys or do you think the usage is just so strong that they can overcome it
1: i think probably seeing Pitts, you know have 73 yards today leading the team is a little bit encouraging but that It's hard to see scenarios in this offense where Ridley and Pitts both have a good game for instance. And, um, you know, the other thing is that Matt Ryan just looks awful. Um, he looks like he's done. So, uh, yeah, it's hard to see this offense with this quarterback really elevating Pitts to the level he needs to be to pay off at his ADP and probably the same with Ridley, which is disappointing. So, yeah. Yeah. I did I, I did actually want to go back to a comment made
3: by one of the road of his lead writers Michael Dubner who mentioned um, you know is Tony Pollard A the Cowboys is RB1 <laughs> or B is he the overall fantasy RB1 um looking more like yes the answer is to me so I wanted to get, <laughs> I, I, I wanted to get your guys thoughts on this
1: Totally well I was fading Elliot all off season so I'm I'm a little bit biased but i'll i'd love to hear what madison thinks
2: i did not fade zeke um i thought the 20 touchdown upside was okay especially on like underdog where it's in half ppr i thought that it was okay um especially when i it was harder to get dac if the dac stacks when you're at the end of the, the first round follow-on so i was okay doing that but any draft I didn't get Zeke, I tried to prioritize Pollard um, for this exact situation. I felt like more than any other guy in that range, he had the potential for standalone value with a bunch of targets and high efficiency. Um, and then obviously, if, if Zeke went down, then you know he, he truly is top five weekly running back. Um, so encouraging so far. He, he's, he's shown to be so far the better player, the more efficient player. It is a little bit with the type of plays they're giving him. They're, they're giving him more of the outside runs, the targets in space. So he should be a little naturally more efficient than Zeke. Um, but, yeah, I think he's, he's a guy you could you could comfortably slide into your flex if you had to, um, if you didn't have a receiver that you wanted to play there, um, or even your RB2 spot where the Cowboys are going to score points most weeks and, and Pollard could easily turn, you know, four or five targets and a couple carries into seven or eight points, and, and that's fine. And you get potential for more, like we saw today. If uh, if he's, he's um, you know if he's more efficient than, than he should be, so yeah, I'm I'm very excited about him. I'm, he's he obviously was a, I think a great best ball pick, and I think he's showing that that now uh, uh, why that was was the case. So
3: dude, like they they almost that carries 50-50, right? And like and like they're giving like Tony Pollard the kind of stuff that you'd think they're giving Zeke, right? Like second and short, third and short. Like it's almost like they don't trust Zeke to get them those short yards that they need even if it's something as simple as a run up the gut like it says and like I heard the commentators they talk about how they want to keep Zeke fresh it's a long season they've got playoff hopes <laughs> but it's like no they, they, they want they want a they, they want an explosive talent you can get them the first down right like it's it, it's genuinely interesting because they're like like um uh the Chargers Cowboys game was genuinely not as interesting or exciting as you'd hope it would be. But what was fascinating was watching them have all, like pull out all the stops and these trick plays for, for Pollard. That was legitimately um, surprising a little bit. Right. And then, and then there were times where they use Zeke on a, on a handful of like misdirection plays, but it almost feels like they're doing it to placate his ego versus doing it <laughs> to like an, an actual win well, on a win side, if that makes sense. I don't know if you, either of you watched the game or had that feeling
1: yeah i didn't i didn't see the whole game the times that I did tune in like it was kind of it was almost uncanny like i would I would see parts of the game and it would be right when they would give Zeke a carry and he'd get hit behind the line for a loss so uh it's uh you know that's another thing i think uh to talk about is not only how good Pollard has looked but how bad really Zeke has looked and um you know <laughs> I'm biased again but uh what I thought was especially interesting is that it's not like Zeke had a bad day from a fantasy perspective, right? He still got 16 carries, 71 yards. He scored a touchdown. So even in a game where he did okay, where he did relatively well, we're seeing Pollard have a good game. So I think that is a, a really good sign for Pollard's value going forward.
2: Yeah, I think for the, you're, you, you're saying that, you know, Zeke still had a decent fantasy game today, but it, it emphasizes what we saw Pat Crane right this off season where, you're taking an earlier yeah. on running back. You need the ceiling. And if yeah. Pollard's going to get this type of work, then Zeke is not going to give you that ceiling. So he's not going to pay off his ADP. And you should have gone receiver or tight end at that point. So that's something that, for me, will be a lesson learned. Um, that you have to be very confident just in the role and the efficiency. And I was pretty confident in the role. Um, mm-hmm. And I was probably a little bit wrong on that. And then even for the efficiency that a game like this, where Zeke is pretty efficient, um, close to five yards a carry a touchdown, even then it's not really enough uh, by itself. So yeah, um, you know, in season long, if you have Zeke, he'll be fine. Um, you can start him every week. He's going to have, yeah, something like that where you're hoping <laughs> for the 80, 80 yards and a touchdown and a couple targets and the offense is going to be really good. So he kind of reminds me of Chris Carson, just with a few more carries mm-hmm. and a few more targets. And that's fine. Um, you're just going to need to try to find some ceiling elsewhere to make up for that.
3: Yeah. Uh, one of the commenters, Ray Room, had just a fire comment where he said Zeke is Jordan Howard, but in a great offense. Um, <laughs> like, 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 it's kind of true. <laughs> like, like, you can get the same stuff out of
1: Jordan Howard, right? Um, yeah. yeah. I mean, Zeke... Right. His production, seventeen points today, is fine for like a fourth round back or a fifth round back or something, right? So if you take him in the first round, then you're you're probably uh yeah, like you said, looking for ceiling elsewhere. Um so yeah, that's problematic. Uh but well, hopefully if you were paying attention to Rotoviz, he didn't have too much too much Z because we weren't we weren't <laughs> really all over him. Well, unless
2: you're uh, me you're, you're ignoring it for the 20 touchdown <laughs> 20 touchdown upside <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah.
3: Um, <laughs> you do you do you do need that, that that kind of like outlier performance if you're trying to win those big tourneys um uh I, I will actually this is a good question here in the chat from common opponent where he asks Gaskin or Zeke rest of the season, which is kind of tongue in cheek, but it does <laughs> give us a good a good opportunity to discuss Dua Tagovailoa, mm-hmm. who did have that, like he did suffer bruised ribs. Uh he's having an MRI on Monday to determine the severity, right? Uh Madison, like do you have any interest in Jacoby Brissett as a fill in at all? I I liked
2: some of what Jacoby showed a few years ago and the mobility is a little intriguing. Um, I'm not going there in anything except for, you know, deep super flex. Um, obviously in those leagues, almost everybody holds three quarterbacks, all the quarterbacks are rostered. So if you're forced and you know, you had Tua, and you only had two quarterbacks, then I think Brissett is worth, you know, a a decent portion of your, of your fob. Um, if he's going to, if two is going to be out for a few weeks, um, if not, that's, you know, if, if two is going to be back in a week or two, I think you're, you're better off trying to make a small trade um, or just spending a, a smaller portion of your FOB and trying to get the fill in. So, yeah, Jacoby, I think, could be a nice floor play. I, I don't know who, who they play next on our schedule, but if, if they were to play um, somebody where they were going to be favored, maybe the you know, Texans or Jaguars or something like that, then I'd be more intrigued. But absent that, uh, I, I think it's, it's a stretch.
1: Yeah, I'd agree. I think in Superflex, you're obviously definitely looking at Brissett as someone who needs to be owned right now. But I mean, otherwise, you know, what we saw today from this offense is not too encouraging. Um, I mean, Buffalo is good. Buffalo's a good defense, so you wouldn't necessarily expect them to put up a ton of points, but um it was it was a little bit disappointing that they couldn't score at all. Um, they're at Las Vegas next week, so I mean, with the way the Raiders have looked, that's almost a game you kind of want to avoid from the from uh, the Dolphins. So I don't know.
2: Yeah, the Raiders have surprised me more than anybody else so far, for sure. I, I mm-hmm. like Derek Carr, a, a deep attempt passer. Now, is that has he changed? Is you know, I've, I've long I've long faded Carr because I just felt like he had the arm for all the deep throws, but he just checked it down and he threw it away on on third and fourth downs. But from I didn't watch much of the game today, but from the game the other night, it seemed and he talked a little bit after it where he felt like he could make something about how the rules changed. He could make more plays downfield. But with Edwards, um, obviously Edwards, second year breakout candidate rugs, similar similar bet. Um, and that speed with Waller, I'm at least moderately intrigued that this Raiders team could be better than I expected. And the defenses look decent. I know Max Crosby gave, gave the Ravens a fit. So, are the Raiders a team we were just very wrong on, or at least myself very wrong on this year? Uh,
3: I was, I, 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 was snatching up rugs. Like, I'll be pretty honest. Like, I really liked his profile as a second-year breakout. Uh, the guy who um, Jack Miller kind of talked me on to a little late was Hunter Renfro, uh, which is nice. Brian Edwards is always the guy I was kind of more interested in fading, if only because I really think that his skill set overlaps. Like, he's like, uh, like his skill set's kind of like more overlapping with someone like a Darren Waller and a Hunter Renford. Like, he kind of is in the middle of those two. Um, yeah, uh, catch the yeah. yeah, you, you, you so, so, so you know what I mean, right? But like, rugs, it was a very clear path to, to playing time. Uh, I think, I think Blair was very aggressive on him last season as well, and so it's good to see like. That faith was misplaced. Like Gruden seems to have like an issue. Well, Gruden's got multiple issues, uh, and, and Mayock they have multiple issues when it comes down to even just as something as simple as scouting. But like the fact that they drafted Rugg so early and then refused to play him in in, in a more dynamic role last year was probably more frustrating because Rugg showed that he was capable of a lot. Right, and like when you look at the target distribution today, you can see that they're giving him seven targets. And he caught five for one hundred and thirteen goes a long way um kenny and drake saw a lot of receiving work so if he's out there at all uh go and get him um so jo- josh jacobs has been dealing with the you know this ankle and toe injury that he played through last week he had to sit out this week status for next year so kind of up in the air but it seems like it might actually be an ongoing issue for him where he's going to need a lot more maintenance days so you know so there's so there's probably a sneaky upside for for guys like Satan Barber of all people, right? Like, like so. They so they're these guys who show up and come back, but 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 Rugs was a guy who was like a very clear buy, I think, especially with his like early. 80s. Uh, Madison, I, I did like that you mentioned that you know Derek Carr did doesn't really throw deep, and he kind of doesn't. He really is more like a cowardice, check Down Charlie type of human being, right? <laughs> like 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 he like he he has this big arm that you'll never see on court for the most part, right? Like this is like once every like twelve games. So we'll see this again sometime
1: next year, or maybe <laughs> this season. Um, yeah, although he was uh, doing it in week one too. He had a couple big, uh, big. Well, at the end to Brian Edwards and Zay Jones. Brian Edwards, you know, yeah, Zay Jones. When he had to win targeting. the game. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah, but they were also um, they're also targeting. They're also targeting the targeted rugs really late
3: too. Like they got were like we're gonna throw to this guy. Yeah.
1: Right. Right. Yeah. So you'd like to see them operate like. Like they're always in that kind of, in that mode when they're always trying to play catch up instead of, uh, I mean, like, I like Darren Waller. I think he's awesome. And him getting 19 targets is probably a net positive for the team. But uh, you definitely want to see Ruggs get involved and you want to see Carr making these throws downfield. Um, Seven targets was Ruggs' career high. So, I mean, yep. is this like a sign that they're going to actually start using him or do we think this is more of an aberration?
2: I think they're going to use him. I I, I think they want to prove that they were at least somewhat correct or it's in the conversation they were correct to, to take him with Judy and Lamb and those guys. Um, and I think he, you know, it, at worst, you get him a couple layups, you take a couple deep shots with him that are schemed up. And he can excel in that that type of a role um so yeah I, I think it continues i think there's room for for him to have that type of a role with not necessarily a high target share but a decent one with a high a dot and then edwards and waller um being the other option well you know waller being the primary option but rugs and edwards kind of splitting that that number two option so i think he can be productive in that
1: now on the other side of this game talking about um uh quarterbacks who look like their career should have ended a couple of years ago. What are we doing with Ben Roethlisberger and, and with the Pittsburgh receivers, if we, if we have them on any teams, I mean, can you feel confident starting any, you know, starting Claypool, if you drafted him?
2: I personally don't think so with Claypool um, or Juju Deontay, mm-hmm. his target share is still so high that I'm, I feel okay with that. I, I think he got hurt at the end of the game. Um, like like the last couple of plays. But if he's back out there, I, I, th- I think Deontay is still, you can start him. Um, there was one play, it was Ben was throwing down the right sideline, just like trying to throw a two ball over the, the cover two corner. And he did everything mentally. It looked like he was in rhythm when he did it. There was no pressure, and the ball just fluttered the whole way. Um, and to me, that was kind of the sign of, you know, you did everything right that you're supposed to do as a quarterback, but the arm just wasn't there. Um, And we we may be at that point with Ben, we've, we've been there, you know, possibly for the last year or so he's had some ups and downs. So I think it's tough. Um, If, if the deep ball is gone for Claypool, especially that'll be, that'll be really tough. Um, Deontay though, high target share. I think, I think makes him just, you can still lock him in and start in most weeks, except for really tough matchups, perhaps.
1: Yeah, so I'm going back to the injury. Uh, I'm just reading up on it. Sounds like some people are thinking it could have been a fairly serious knee injury on know. the last play of the game, and he needed help to get off the field. So, um, yeah, with Deontay, there's obviously that that risk. We'll have to uh, definitely monitor that. I mean, assuming Deontay misses some time are you confident starting Juju, you know, as someone who's going to see that sort of target share um, or, you know, with that weapon that they're losing, does this, does it make the offense even less attractive and just one you want to avoid altogether? Uh, Madison uh, thoughts.
2: (laughs) Yeah, (laughs) uh, I think you, I think it makes it a, a little more attractive just because how concentrated it should be. Then if you're losing a guy who's had 30% of the targets, um, that seems to be enough for, for Claypool and Juju then to perhaps exceed in their Excel in their roles. I'm still not, you know, I'm not locking him in over most of the guys I drafted in rounds one through four, but if you're in a start through receiver flex league, is that flex spot? They could be an option there, uh, for me at least. Um, I'm, I'm curious how that affects Najee. I don't have much Najee um, this year. I didn't feel like the ceiling was quite there for him. But if he gets a few more dump-offs, you're getting into that realm now where, okay, you know, if he's getting four or five targets a game, then he's pretty solid, I guess. Um, so that'd be interest, interesting to me, especially given Deontay's low A-dot that he has.
3: Yeah. So the one thing I I, really, I do want I do think that I found interesting was like the Steelers were kind of on the back foot the whole game and and Chase Claypool got nine targets. His average yards per rec is like twenty three point three. When the when the advanced stats explorer does come up, I am interested in um, seeing what his air yards really look like, right? Because like I, I think that like uh, you know kind of do your point, Madison like Deontay's that guy Juju seems to be more of that like middle-ish kind of like almost like the move tight end and they're using Claypool as that pure x right uh so if Deontay does miss time and if you see if you see some kind of um uh, I hope everything's okay with him but just to bring him up with Will Fuller like what Will Fuller was for the Texans last year right like you could see you can't see that I mean Ben Roethlisberger is dusty. I've said this for like about a couple of years now, but like they, they, the team is very, this is very reminiscent of the Eli Manning sendoff door, right? <laughs> the team is really ready to, to compete. That like, well, they, they lost DJ Watt, but they've got, they're pretty much playing to win. Now This is a phenomenal receiver core and they're trotting out the corpse of this bloated old man and just letting him do whatever he wants. Right? Like the, the defense won them the game last week against the bills. And they couldn't keep the rate like because the defense couldn't keep the Raiders in check. The Steelers just lost. Like just bafflingly bad play at home. And uh, I live I live near the stadium in Pittsburgh here, and um, uh, you you could tell it was a bad game because I can you can typically hear the cheers and there weren't many um, that you could hear, <laughs> and I could only hear my my, my neighbor uh, having an absolute meltdown um at, at the Steelers so I knew something bad was happening uh the whole game which, is, which I thought was kind of funny so it's um definitely definitely interesting um I do I do think that we should wrap up uh, on, a, on a on a on a looking forward uh note I am gonna just say this guys uh Dalton he left in the second quarter with a knee injury did not return Justin Fields time is it time you know are we ready for this Oh we've I hope been so, ready. Man. Yeah, I hope so. I
2: think it could be great. Um I think Mooney's better than people think, and he's a good fit as a, a stretcher, and I like Komet, and I like Robinson. And then yeah, Fields mobility. I'm I'm excited. <laughs> Even as a Vikings fan, I'm excited.
1: <laughs> yeah. Yeah, definitely, definitely ready for uh for Justin Fields time. I mean he you know what he showed in this game, I think <laughs> wasn't too impressive but um when you have at least a week to maybe prepare and have an actual game plan uh around his skill set then that hopefully would make a big difference so uh,
2: i mean and we just saw we saw Jalen hurts today have 190 passing yards and do very yeah. little and, and still score 20 fantasy points um just by the, the mobility aspect so yeah. Why why can't Fields do the same thing even with you know with better weapons around him?
1: Yeah, for sure. Um, are any of these other QB injuries that we saw we're talking about? I mean, Carson Wentz goes down. Is it like is it a big uh downgrade to Jacob Eason really? I'm not actually sure about that. Um Tyrod Taylor. Might be uh well he's already been ruled out for Thursday, so we'll yeah. probably see Davis Mills in that one, which I I would think at least in terms of uh reality, you know, Houston will have trouble in that game. So I don't know that I would be eager British to play in play. Houston players. Uh can't somebody's the Panthers. Houston plays the Panthers. Panthers, that's right. Yeah. That's. Yeah. Panthers defense looked pretty good today too. Right. So that that could be a tough, a tough one for, for mills. Um, I think any defense could be a tough one for mills. Um, so. <laughs> 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 yeah, that's true. Um, so yeah, avoid, avoid Houston on Thursday in terms of the Colts. I mean, I don't know. Is you, Wentz did not look that great um, today. Maybe Easton's not that much worse.
2: Seems like just a lot of Jonathan Terry, Taylor carries um, is the, yeah. the move
3: for them. Yeah, Taylor didn't get much going today either, despite like all the work. And they like Pittman looked pretty good, like despite mm-hmm. no one, no one was throwing to him, and he was on the injury report. Like he popped up on the injury report on Friday. Paris Campbell was ruled out, but like Pittman played and he played really, really well. I was kind of excited for that one.
1: Yeah, uh, I mean, I think we knew that the Rams defense would be good and probably Taylor and Hines would have trouble really getting a lot going. But um, how worried are you if you are a Jonathan Taylor owner that, you know, even (laughs) with a potential downgrade at QB, this this offense could have trouble uh, getting in scoring position and moving the ball. Does that make you worried about starting Taylor? I mean,
2: you you for the price you paid him, you ha- you have to start him. Um, and if he if he has a big game, if he goes for 102 touchdowns, I'd probably look to to try to move on. If the Wentz thing was really bad, you know, another six to eight weeks type of injury. Mm-hmm. If it's just a couple of weeks, you might be able to to just to ride it out. And then as the Colts get healthy, I think Taylor could smash down the stretch. Um, if I recall correctly, they get the Lions and maybe the Cardinals or something like that towards the end of the season and that's something I'm very interested in for the fantasy playoffs is Jonathan Taylor versus those type of opponents. So just kind of depends on the Wentz century. I think, um, hopefully it's not too bad. Uh, I, you know, I, I don't think Wentz is very good, but I think Eason might be Davis mills type quarterback yeah. play. So that's a fairly, <laughs> fairly worrisome difference still. <laughs> yeah.
1: All right. Any other injuries we need to talk about? I know uh Jarvis Landry is uh potentially out with a knee injury. You know, that team is already without Odell Beckham, although maybe he'll be back. I don't know. Um He might be back. Like how much would you bid on Anthony Schwartz if he's still on waivers? Not really all that interested. He had a kind of a
3: pretty bad thing, not 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 a great game today. Like I'm not really interested in chasing some of these auxiliary like auxiliary guys right
1: mm-hmm.
3: Baker mayfield frankly like to his credit has played a lot better like he's 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 getting it done with dudes like Demetric felton
1: yeah
3: uh yeah Schwartz like... is shorts is, is playing through a hammy injury um mm-hmm. and it's something that he struggled with through all of camp as well right so that's someone who i would be kind of like hesitant about like DPJ as well like he's getting it done Uh, The guy who I, like, they use all three tight ends. Joku, Harrison Bryant, and Austin Hooper today. Rashard Higgins, like, they just, this is like a factory of sadness of, like, receivers, and (laughs) and, uh, Mayfield still kind of got it done here. Impressive, if you ask me.
1: (laughs) Yeah, I guess lose by 10 to Houston. But, oh, no, they won. Sorry. Win against Houston. Yeah, that's good. I guess winning is good. Um, all right. Well, unless you guys want to talk about anything else, um, just (laughs) checking Elijah Mitchell. Did he, uh, do we think this is serious? I saw,
2: I saw um, one of the injury guys I followed posted a a picture of with all the 49ers running backs. And it seemed like Mitchell was the one most likely to be back next week. Um, it it was more likely that, that hasty or sermon or both would miss time. Um, sermon with the concussion, hasty with a potential high ankle sprain. Um, so if that's the case, I think Mitchell's in a fine spot. Again, um, the Eagles, uh, defense line, I think is, is better than we might've thought entering the year. Um, and they gave given the, what the performances they've showed so far. So with the 49ers strength of schedule, I think any running back you slot in there is, is at least pretty interesting. Um, Especially as an RB two, if you have a like an anchor RB type strategy going on. So, if it's Mitchell, I, I'd be comfortable starting Mitchell.
1: Yeah. Uh, how many more games of Ayuk doing nothing before we officially get worried? I'm already worried. I, <laughs> I,
2: I. I it, it's not Dante Pettis because I think Ayuk is actually good, but. That may not matter because Shanahan may believe that yeah. Sherfield is is actually good, and if that's the case, then you know. I, regardless, I think we the Debo versus Ayuk thing went a little too far and um, mm-hmm. that. Like, I was more confident based on Ayuk's production than I probably should have been that he was better than Debo, um, which I had a I, you know I had, I had a lot of Debo too, I guess, but. Yeah, I'm, I'm already worried. It seems like that of all the receivers going in that range, Ayuk is, is clearly the one who is, is off to the worst start and, and probably will continue to be. So I think it's kind of similar, I guess, to the, the Jonathan Taylor situation, just in that hopefully he can put one big game together. And then I think I would try to sell him for something similar to his value just because you don't know when Shanahan will roll back out the, the Shurfield-type combination. So like a low-target um, you know, IUC sees four targets, but he has three for 80 and a touchdown, where you can try to sell him after something like that, where his role didn't change, but he had a big game. So, yeah, yeah I, I don't know if you guys have different takes on that.
1: No, I mean, yeah, I'm a little worried, too. I think he was on the injury report this week, right? So, um, it's maybe... Still dealing with a hammy, right? Yeah, it's maybe a little bit more related to, to the hamstring issue, but, um, you know, you obviously, right. You ne- <laughs> yeah, right. I hope so too. You, but I mean, even so you never want guys to start the season injured because especially with an injury like a hamstring, cause it tends to, to linger and to recur. So, I mean, it's something that, um, is definitely concerning. I think, I mean, even if, even if it is purely because of the injury, that's still a concern to me.
3: Yeah, like I, I think one of the one of the things, and common opponent makes a really good good case here in the in the comments that you know they are not proving like the, the Niners aren't proving to be pretty adept at handling these injuries, right? Like Debo came back early last year and, and aggravated his injury. Um, I think what really is a little bit more worrisome for me than Ayuk because I think he will probably come on like down the stretch. What what really is more worrisome for me about Ayuk and I've I got to pull this up right is. Um because I want to make sure that I get this all accurate. Uh, I'm trying to find the E like there it is. There's my Eagles game. So this is a very low scoring affair, 17-11 So for starters one, um, I think Trey Lance is gonna be the latest rookie quarterback to probably take the field, right? Like the this is a disaster start like not, like a nightmare scenario here. I think if I like, up for me as a Trey Lance drafter, because you know the two and oh. So they're gonna let you know Jimmy G completely choke this away. Um <laughs> Uh, GBG, by the way, today had 11 rushing attempts, um, for 20 yards. Uh, to that end, they're targeting randos like Juan Jennings, Kyle chick Trent Sherfield, and Sanu, right? And this is really squeezing out George Kittle. Like, like I, I don't know what to do with that because, like, I'm, I'm kind of worried about Kittle and I'm kind of worried about Ayuk as well, and I'm genuinely worried about the offense being this fantasy carnival, this plethora of points that we might've thought it would be given all their ADPs in the preseason. Madison, can you talk me off the ledger? Yeah,
2: I'm, I'm still, I'm still buying. Um, I've, I think Shanahan can manufacture. We've seen the efficiency with Nick Mullins and those type of guys before their strength of schedule is still the easiest in the league. And I think what today showed me is that the Eagles defense is actually legit. Very good. Um, based on what they did to the Falcons last week and what we saw the Falcons do versus the Bucs today and then versus what the Eagles did today versus the 49ers is that the Eagles' defense is probably better than we expected and that the 49ers will probably be fine. Um, I think you're right to still decide the Jimmy stuff. Like, he's he's going to have some duds. That's who he is. But I think, I'm you know, Kittle, I think, is fine. Debo, De, Debo, Debo um, will be fine. Um, and I still, like I said, I still like the running backs, um, just because they're going to be an RB two type of uh, the type of play um, with not a huge workload, not a lot of targets, but they're going to be efficient. So that's where I'm at um, with them at least. I know I think San Francisco's toughest part of the schedules over the next few games, so it might test that theory a little bit, but it, it opens back up down the stretch again. Um, so. I'm not selling on Kittle or, or Debo or any of those guys just yet. Um, I think we'll have a a big Kittle game soon and that'll, that'll take us
1: back off the cliff there a little Mm -hmm. bit. Yeah, definitely. I mean, I think, uh, well, I don't know if you own Kittle, you you're obviously a little disappointed and probably starting to get concerned. But, um, I think that we've seen this offense put up a ton of points before. um, You know if they do move to trey lance sooner rather than later i guess there's a question about how that impacts the receivers and whether him you know taking more uh carries away and turning more of those dump offs or passing attempts into carries how that will impact kind of the volume situation for kittle but you know you'd expect kittle to be able to get his targets no matter what i mean he's he's talented um so hopefully you see guys like Sherfield being being boxed out no matter who the <laughs> who the quarterback is and Kittle will uh will get back to uh what we've seen before but i mean are you guys are you guys at all worried about lance taking over
3: no i want to see him take over man like uh i'm very excited for him uh like rick from here in the comments makes a really good point right like Shanny wants to run so bad, yet refuses to use one piece that unleashes their run game. Like, like you know, like I like I think a lot of the niner fans are. I I can hope I'm not speaking out of turn when I speak for them, but like they're probably excited to see the guy that the, the teams traded up for and spent a third overall pick on, right? So, and the, and the reason behind why they took him over Mac Jones because Mac Jones is looking pretty good, right? So. Um, I think it's time for Trey, man. Like, like even though this like two zero record is there for the Niners, I really, really think that they gotta gotta let Trey get in there, get some reps because he really is more dynamic than, than Jimmy G.
2: Yeah, I'm, I'm. I think the sooner they go, the better. Um, like I said, Nick Mullins has been efficient, so I think that's enough for me to be confident that as long as as long as Trey has some baseline of skill, which I think he does, um, then. He can be an efficient passer, and it truly unlocks everything Assam was just talking about in the running game. Um, they can do the, the counter bash type stuff they're running, where they're they're reading random defensive ends that you wouldn't expect to be read um, to be read before the play. So, yeah, um, I I'm hopeful that it happens right after the bye week. They have a fairly early bye week, so as long as you have maybe one more bad Jimmy performance and one loss in that time span, <laughs> then Kyle can make that move. Um, similar to what we saw with Tua and Fitz last year, where, yeah, you know, the Dolphins are playoff probably a playoff-worthy team, but we're going to make the move to the rookie. Um, it, but in this case, I think that it actually increases their their ceiling for sure um, throughout the season. So I'm hopeful uh, next few weeks.
1: All right, and uh, that'll do it for us on the Fantasy Football Report. Special thanks to Madison Parkhill. Madison, what you got going on? This season?
2: No, no weekly articles for me, but um I'll have a few over the course of the season. Um over whenever I see specific leverage spots or some some usage, I think it that it is notable. And then um if not then, then um I'm on I'm on Twitter at Madison Park Hill. Um got lucky enough to have my own name. Finally somebody changed it. So <laughs> that's where you can find me on Twitter. And I am I'm, I'm either there on Road not many other places for me. So thanks to you guys for having me on. Uh, really appreciate it.
1: Definitely. Uh, And let me just say, if you are someone who's listening to this on Monday after we release it as a podcast and you're like, what's with all these long pauses? This is terrible radio. You should come join us live in the chat every 9 p.m. on Sunday. We are uh, doing this live. Special thanks again to Madison Parkhill. For Hassan Rahim, I'm Blair Andrews. Thanks for listening and watching.